Yeah, I've been up early. I'm trying not to drink on. Um, I'm trying not to drink Sunday through Wednesday. Sunday through. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now I I don't um, I don't know why because it seems stupid. <laughs> but no, it makes sense. But during the COVID thing, um, like I'm not actually a heavy drinker. Anyways, I'm you know you've got one kid, right? Two. Two. Yeah, we have a five month old. Oh shit. Yeah. 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 And so it's um. Oh hey. Hey, listeners. Sorry, I'm sitting here with Darren Hollett from House of Funk Brewing. I forgot to the <laughs> intro. This is Beer Life with Jordan Foss, by the way, and we're on episode 18, uh, which is the second episode of season two. Uh, so before we get into all the stuff about COVID, because I know that's probably what uh, everybody's been thinking about, uh, we're going to talk about children for probably the first 35 minutes. So <laughs> stay tuned. Um, okay, so you've got two. You've got uh, the five-month-old. Is that a, a girl, boy? Girl, both a girl's. Oh wow! Yeah, so Look at you, half year old and a uh, four month old. So you're gonna, it, your life's gonna be beautiful oh, until yeah. the oldest hits twelve, and then you're f- fucked for about ten years. At least we have alcohol at work, so I'll be just yeah. some more time there. Yeah. So like I said, I don't like I'm I've never been well since um, since kids. I'm not like I've I've never been really a heavy drinker, but like I'm sure you know how bad it is when you go out for work or whatever. You have too many beers, and then your kids don't realize that you don't want to wake up early in the morning. Yep. And your wife doesn't really care either because you've been out drinking all night and it's your fault. And so because of that, I, um, I rarely drink more than a couple beers. Okay. And, but during COVID, I was drinking a couple beers every day and it was just so yeah, consistent man. that I'm like, okay, um, I need to just dial it back a touch. Now, that doesn't mean if, if I have any customers out there listening, don't, you don't need to dial it back a touch. That's just for me. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm trying to only drink Thursday, Friday, Saturday, okay. which actually has been surprisingly easy right now. I just try and uh, our lives, I don't know what your life is like right now, but it's, I'm assuming it's like mine where you go to work and then it's just busy when busy you get home. Yeah. Uh, how old's your, the oldest? Uh, three and a half. So she's, oh wow. Yeah. You're in the thick of it, man. That's good. Honestly, like yeah. our, our four month old, she's sleeping essentially through the night. Uh, my wife, Jody definitely takes the, the brunt of it, Yeah, but we put her down at eight and she gets up at seven, seven thirty. Does Jody work in the, for House of Funk or she, she did? She and did. then she's on mat leave. Right she's now. on mat leave. Yeah. Okay. Well that's nice. At least, at least you guys were expecting that, I guess, going yes. into this whole thing. Yeah. And the funny thing is when I was with Hearthstone, Jody was our tapper manager there also got pregnant with our first daughter. Yeah. And so it's like, as we were opening a tap room, she's very much used to being pregnant. Oh, interesting. Is, Did you guys yeah. meet at Hearthstone? I actually met at uh, Whistler. Okay. Yeah. Well, good, because that's going to go right into my first question, good. which is basically um, take me through um, kind of how you got involved in beer and maybe the, the jobs and positions you had leading up to, to this point, I guess, at House of Funk. For sure. Um, I mean, it, it started, I think, about 12 years ago now. Uh, I was, since I was 16, I was big into home brewing and and part of that scene with the Van Brewers for a little while. Yeah. Uh, and I always wanted to get into beer professionally. And so my very position, first position was with uh, Whistler Brewing. North okay. Ham. I yeah. was sales coordinator there, which honestly I was there for about three and a half years and I can't think of a better intro to the beer scene. Uh, really? And, yeah. Interesting. I mean, yeah. Great group. Yeah. Um, Don Gordon was my, my yeah. boss at the time and he was a great mentor. Yeah, he, he's a great guy. He's yeah. wicked. Yeah. And he's a, he's a doer too, which I like. Yep. Like even with everything going on now, um, you know, when you get messages from the, the craft brewers guild and Ken Beatty's like, Oh yeah. And Don Gordon had this idea. And, mm-hmm. and so, which is great. Where, where is the North End location? Like that you're actually, 
like at the time it was so i was at the sales office which was in south van south van okay i think they're in Gastown now yeah because when everybody hears whistler brewing they just imagine that you're just up at whistler yeah, selling beer to whistler no. no yeah they do have they do have the like the flagship brewery yeah. in whistler where like the there is beer brewed there but they also have the Kamloops brewery okay yeah, yeah. so sorry and what was the you were sales coordinator sales coordinator so what does that mean exactly basically uh the bitch of the sales team Um, doing anything and everything whether that's uh getting things ready for an event or uh sales projections i would help with yeah um anything and everything for sales and and marketing as well okay were you out there actually like pounding the pavement trying to get new accounts not really i was assisting those people i was maintaining um some like earl's and joey's accounts okay just kind of touching base with them but i wasn't out hitting the ground and Um, i was in the office mostly and then that led you to that, I mean, that's also where I met my wife. So we okay. uh, we met at the Christmas party. She was oh no way yeah she was working up in Kamloops for at the brewery. So she was the operations manager's assistant. Okay yeah, and so we met at uh, huh at our, that, my very first Christmas party. That's there. way better than my story. I met my wife because she was dating a friend of mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, an, that's a pretty good story too. An, a different type. Yeah, an acquaintance. Uh, yeah. Let's yeah. I mean, he's a he is a uh, hey. I won't get into it, but it's no? uh, well, we'll no I. Can, Fuck, whatever, man. It's my podcast. Yeah. I guess we may as well. Um, and she'll probably love that I'm saying this and I'm, I'm t- talking, saying some nice things about her rather than saying that she rags on me all the time about going out drinking and not getting up with the kids in the morning. Um, yeah, no, it was a friend of mine. Well, a friend of a friend, really, and uh, North Van guy. Okay. And, um, and so he had this girlfriend and uh, my wife, Alyssa, and she was from New West and I'd never met her before which is weird because, you know, New West. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we, we met at a party that we were all at, and we kind of knew all the same people. And uh, so we just hit it off. And then, uh, yeah, and then after a while, like, I didn't, they broke up, in all fairness. Like, it wasn't like that. Okay. And uh, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it some time. I'm going to give it some time. And then, like, two weeks later, uh, we started uh, seeing each other and dating. We used to go to the same nightclub in New West called Barfly. Cool. It was yep. rad, right? Have I you ever been there? I, I, yes, I had been there a couple times. Yeah, they had uh, $1. fifty highballs Fuck. and $3 Coronas. And so for a college kid, it was just, it was insane. We'd go there, spend like $40, just mm. get lit. And then if we were able to meet some people to party with afterwards, we'd do that. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't, which happened more often than not, I'm not going to lie, um, we would go to the casino that was in the same building cool. and just blow another 60 bucks. And the, so it was like a $100 night, which would, was, was lots of fun. And uh, it was great. So yeah. yeah, so we used to see each other there and because uh, she'd go with some mutual friends. And then, yeah, man, it just kind of went from... from like, I went from zero to 60 pretty fast. Like, we got married young at 23. Okay. How old were you when you met your uh, wife? We, we met at 26. We okay. were married by 30, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, right on. Yeah. yeah. And so so you, you met your wife yep. and, at, Whistler. at Whistler. And then you left Whistler. Did you guys get married before that, or did you leave we Whistler? We got married. So we, I left Whistler. Yeah. Um, I was there for about three and a half years. Her and I went traveling. Okay. So I left to go. We went backpacking for about four months together. Mm-hmm. Went to Southeast Asia. Went to Nicaragua. Um, had a really good time and that's where we got engaged was yeah. in Nicaragua uh, I came back and when I came back I wanted to get into more into production because right. obviously I'd been home brewing the entire time and wanted to to brew beer yeah. uh, commercially so I reached out to Kevin Winter who was the head brewer at Mission Springs at the time right yeah he's up at Coast now yeah. um, and so he I knew him through Whistler as he's well Kevin on the podcast he's good yeah. he's a beautiful human being for sure yeah okay so I reached out to him, said, look, I'll push a broom at the, yeah. at the brewery. I don't really care. I want to I wanna brew. And so he brought me on to Mission Springs. Cool. 
And so I was there for about a year. Uh, I was brewing with Parker from Fieldhouse. Yeah. Uh, and then Trevor, who's at, at old, old DL right now. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. And then the opportunity for Hearthstone came up. So the owners of Mission Springs right, own Hearthstone, right? purchased the old brewery from Mark James. Right, right. Yeah, it's so tangled, right? I mean, in, a, in, an, in an interesting, unique way, right? Because mm-hmm. that's right. Mark James, that was because well, that was where the Red Truck facility was, Correct. right? Yeah. yeah. And I remember, I remember meeting Kevin Winter for the first time at Mission Springs. You guys had had that, um, that fake Maheen bottling line. Oh, yeah. I think it was a, yeah. yeah. It's still running, actually, Surpri- surprisingly. So I remember Peter, our original brewer, and I went out there, and Kevin was busy, you could tell, and, uh, but he took the time, and, he, um, and he's like, don't buy this thing. No. That company went under, too. Did they? They couldn't yeah. get a hold of him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, that guy kept ripping off Maheen, and, then, and so we ended up going with a Maheen, which, you know, in hindsight was a terrible idea because <laughs> no one wanted bottles two years after that. Yeah. But, um, but anyways, and then I, I remember when um, going to North Van to Red Truck because I had a couple of tanks, I think. No, I'd met Hamish McRae, and yeah. Hamish was at Red Truck. He was. And um, so we went to visit him to look at their system, and Varga was there still, too. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, it was a that 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 operational was. You guys take over the brew house. You took over everything. We took over everything, and that's the cool thing about that system yeah. too. Was that so? Ian Hill's name was on all the tanks. Oh wow, because cool. he was there back yeah. in the day. Varga was there. Hamish was there. Yeah, that's kind of neat. That's cool, man. Yeah. And that was a neat room because it was all glass around it too. All right? glass. When it would snow in the winter, it was beautiful. Yeah, There'd be snow coming down. Did it get hot in the summertime? Hot as hell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you went to Hearthstone to be the head, the head brewer right away, or did you work? Uh, no, I went there more so as an operations. Okay. So uh, George Woods, he came from Brewdog. Okay. He came, so it was him and I who went in there together, yeah. uh, and we brewed. Both of us were brewing, and then I was doing a lot of the sales. Cool. Yeah, and then it uh, it grew where we got a, we had a team of two sales reps, sales coordinator, marketing coordinator. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember, and I mean, you don't have to talk out of school. It's not you know um, nope. what this is about, but like Hearthstone for a while there, you guys were like doing distribution like big, right? Yeah, like we were then, on the island in the interior. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it just stopped entirely, right? So my assumption is is that the model just changed. That we're like, okay, well, wholesale doesn't you know it's a, it's a grind, especially at that size of brewery. It's an awkward size for it. Yeah. And and the thought was just to keep everything in house. I mean, yeah, to be transparent, yeah. uh, it was two kids given a candy shop. Okay. And we, we ran a little bit wild with it for a while. Yeah. And uh, in year three, we realized that we were making maybe, if we were lucky, a buck or losing a dollar off of every four pack that we were distributing. Yeah. I mean, when you have two sales reps going out and they're doing great yeah. distributing through direct tap and that was great too, but like everything's cutting down on that margin. Yeah. Um, and it took us a while to, to realize that. And then sadly, uh, that's, that's ultimately why we, we just pulled right back. And then the Springs group has 11 liquor stores. Yeah. So they chose to pull back, distribute to their pubs. They have four of those yeah. and then just their liquor stores, which financially does make sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it definitely does. Right. And, and, um, and then when, when you were going through that process, my assumption mm-hmm. is you pulled a lot of information from there to be like, okay, when I open my own joint, I don't want it to be like this. And which is why we went with the model for house of funk was just to go like anti-distribution yeah. where we're brewing, selling everything in house and anything that we're planning on selling out of house would be cork and gauge bottles. Uh, yeah. so we had, we have 86 barrels in house right now, yeah. which we'd be pulling from on occasion. Uh, the margins fantastic yeah. on those. Uh, the learning lesson on that was definitely holding inventory yeah. for six months to a year as a new business. Definitely was a bit of a challenge. Uh, yeah. yeah. A bit of a challenge. But, yeah. um, so when, yeah. when you were at Hearthstone, um, and we'll circle back to the House of Funk model because mm-hmm. I want to talk about that during COVID times. <laughs> um, 
were it, so you were at Hearthstone and then you kind of thought, okay, well maybe I want to do my own thing or was there something in between there or? I mean the entire time I yeah. was, I was hoping to, to open a brewery of our own. Yeah. Uh, we actually, myself and a friend were planning on opening a brewery just before Hearthstone happened. Yeah. And I'm like, Hey, I need to take this opportunity. And I'm really happy that I did. Cause yeah. it was, uh, I was fortunate to learn with someone else's dollar. Yeah. Uh, and that was, that was a huge learning lesson. Yeah. Um, and we had a great time too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so when, um, so you left Hearthstone to open House of Funk. Yes. And then, um, so you, did you know that you wanted to be in North Van or was that just kind of by chance? Uh, I mean, we had moved, my wife and I had moved to North Van. We yeah. lived on Bowen for a little bit. We had a oh, house nice. there. We sold yeah. that and moved back over. Um, and as much as the, the area where Hearthstone is, I don't think it's necessarily the best for, uh, no. for foot traffic yeah. and for, for that model. Uh, Lower Lonsdale, we saw as yeah. a kick-ass area. And we live just off of Lonsdale and 5th. Okay, sweet. So we'd walk down to the Key all the time. Yeah. Uh, we saw the traffic. Then we saw Beer Brewing open. Yeah. And they were doing extremely well. And that area had... Uh, just some really cool warehouses. And yeah. I was driving by one day and I saw the the building being built. And I just kind of like pulled over and went inside into the uh, construction site. Yeah. And it was like the view was sick. I was like, hey, this could be the spot. And I reached so out to a realtor. It's a new build. Yeah, then. new build. Oh, great. It was, I mean, it was knocked down in the new build. Yeah. yeah. And so were you able to get into it well? Like, were you able to get it built to suit then from the new builder? Or did you have to? No. no. We, we played with what they had. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. And about how big is it, just so people listening understand? 3,500 square feet between both the brewery and the tasting room. The tasting yeah. room's about 900 square feet. 900 square feet. And and I know you mentioned before I hit record that you have 67 occupancy loads. 67. Now, in the wintertime, if you don't, are you able to open the patio all year round? Technically, no, we actually haven't built the patio yet. Oh, so it's yeah. 67 with we, the patio. It is. And we were just about to build the patio, then all right. this went down. Got it. Okay, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So North Van's getting a little more relaxed with... with they are. Like, the, yeah. there's the city and there's the district. We yeah. work with the city at House of Funk, and it is, they've been super supportive. Like, the mayor and the councillors yeah. are fantastic. Because I know the, the, planning department. the district isn't. The district. No, I know because I know Superflex were going to try and get into North Van, and they had to do. Hopefully, with they're the not di- listening. But yeah, they're a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> now, nah, no one listens to this. <laughs> now, nah, actually, the, quite a few people do. <laughs> oh, mark your checkbox. I think that's a bingo, uh, BC Beer Memes bingo card. When I say that, not a lot of people listen, but then actually nice. a lot of people listen. So, if you're listening, do a shot. Yeah, I think they just get to mark down a card. Okay. Yeah, I think he's trying to even drink less these days. So, nice. yeah. Um, the um, so you, the concept for House of Funk. Mm-hmm. outside of obviously the the taste room only kind of model did you know that you wanted to do kind of funky sour beers and stuff like that from the get-go or yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, like ultimately that was what we were drinking and that's what i, I really enjoy personally yeah um and then had uh, sean our head brewer he joined the 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 crew and he was definitely into those beers as well where's sean from he's the head brewer at bridge at bridge that's why i recognize him okay yeah. i knew that yeah 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 um so we want that we knew right away that we wanted to go down that route partially because we really enjoyed drinking it but also there was a bit of a I guess a bit of a hole in the market for something that was just concentrating purely on funky beers, yeah. sours and, and brett forward beers. Yeah. And now would you, was it concept to just only do that or were you always going to like say, okay, well we should do something for the people that come, come down that don't like a sour beer or was it, you're just going to go hard in the paint with that. And if you like it, great. And if you don't, then this isn't for you. Yeah. Fair. I mean, like we still, we've gone hard in the paint while still offering some beers that are approachable. Yeah. Um, like our Pilsner it's, it's a Pilsner, but it sits for a month in fooder. Right. So any, any one of our beers either has to touch wood or have a wild yeast strain or bacteria in it. That's a cool rule to make actually. 
It it's, makes it easier to explain. Yeah, and it's good, and it definitely it requires us to be like, okay, a kavike. Does a kavike fit into? Yeah, because it's now being domesticated. Or sactois, does yeah. that fit into the ethos? Yeah, and so we're, like as. On the brewery side, we're constantly like, okay, does this work? Yeah. The way that we do funk juice, which is a smoothie sour, we've stopped kettle souring it. It's a live sour. Yeah. So we have a, a house culture that's kvike and lacto that we harvested off the grain. Yeah. Um, and we just, we keep spitting that. Originally, it was a kettle sour. We're like, okay, we're no longer going to do kettle sours. Yeah. It's all live sours. Cool, man. And um, can you explain funk juice? Because I know everybody sees it and it's a popular beer, but mm-hmm. the, the, the concept of a smoothie sour Sure. So smoothie sour is we use purposely use a lot of oats, a lot of raw wheat, uh, and then lactose yeah. as well. So we use those to give give body and sweetness, but then that creamy mouthfeel, yeah. which is the smoothie portion, and then we dump a shit ton of fruit into it. Yeah. Uh, that beer is by far our most expensive beer to make. Yeah. And do you dump fruit in post fermentation then? We or? do now. We do it pre. So pre. No, sorry, not pre. We do it as a secondary. So yeah. as it's nearly done uh, its primary fermentation that's when we add the fruit right so is there still like fermentable sugars in that beer when it's like that's part of the problem uh that's the reason why we haven't put it into four packs yet yeah is because there is a bit we can let it go for as long as we're able to but ultimately if there's a little bit of brett in there or or whatnot and we put it into cans it could explode on right well when it's which is why like when i saw it i'm like this is such a rad idea just based on your guys's concept because I'm like, you can make this shit and you don't have to worry about exploding cans because yes. people can just show up, right? But now you do. <laughs> yeah, now you do. Yeah, now you do, right? And we have gotten, there have been customers who have taken home a crawler, put it in their purse, and yeah. it, this was in the summer, and then it blew up in their purse and it yeah. was a black raspberry version of the right. uh, punk juice. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so, okay, let's fast forward now, I guess, to, actually, before I do that, mm-hmm. how'd you come up with the name House of Funk? Ah, uh, so one of the original names was going to be House of Wild. Okay. Um, I can't remember how we got on the train of House of. Yeah. But then once once we started chucking around House of Funk, yeah, uh, it, it both lends into the to the music aspect. Yeah. And so in in the brewery when we're open in the tasting room, we have uh, quite a set list of playlists that we're able to play, whether yeah. it's uh, jazz and blues or funk or yeah. hip hop. Yeah. Um, so we could lean into that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, just started running through different names, and House of Funk came up. Sweet. It's a great name, man. Yeah, we could do House of whatever yeah. else we want moving yeah. forward. Yeah, no, for sure, man. And um, so now that, okay, so everything seems like a great idea. I know we were saying before um, before we started today, like I think most of us that started in, in 2013 through 20, maybe 16, are are a little jealous of the, um, the taste room only concept. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know everybody kind of, Anytime I talk to uh, somebody that's looking to get into the industry, they're like, you know, I just want to be like Brassneck. I'm like, you can't just be like Brassneck. Brassneck had a multitude of of things that they had to work towards. Like, and they had Nigel and Conrad. Well, yeah, to start, right? Yeah. And they, the, the rad location in a great area in an up-and-coming neighborhood at that time. And those light industrial spaces do not exist outside no. now where you guys are in North Van. And so... The rent is high, so you need to make sure that you're... It's gotten higher, yeah. too. Since we've moved in there, we've changed all the bylaws in the area. Yeah. It's gone from, we're, we're doing 21 a square foot. That's, Holy that's shit. That's pre-op. Like, and then plus $11 op. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like... Gone up, like It's gone up at least $10 more than that now, though. Fuck. To put that in perspective for you that are listening, I think at Steel and Oak, we're nine... Shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. I hope my landlord's not listening. Yeah. I don't need her to raise the rent, yeah. but, um, but I mean, we're also beside train tracks and an overpass but but it's still close enough to people to walk right so um so i guess so everybody's like okay well i want to be like brass neck i want to do taste room only and i that's a great model because 
if you're packed, you can make good money at it. But if it's a rainy Tuesday, you have no secondary way to make money. Yep. And um, so there is some, some problems with it, but I think the pros far outweigh your rainy Tuesday. I would normally agree. Yeah. yeah. And then this whole thing hit, and, um, and I'm talking to some other brewers that it, we bitch and moan to each other about wholesale distribution and stuff like that. Just, and it's not even about um, the relationships we get to build with people out there also in the hospitality industry is mm-hmm. the best part of it. And getting to see your beer on tap at a place you really respect, um, like the McKenzie Room. Anytime I see our beer on at the McKenzie Room, I get awesome still get place. chills. I'm like, this is great. This is like one of my favorite restaurants in the world, and they're pouring my beer. This is awesome. But logistically, it's a fucking nightmare, mm-hmm. right? And um, so we're like, okay, well, you know, taste your only model makes sense. And then this COVID thing hit, and we're all all of us that normally complain to each other, are like, oh my god, like, what if we didn't have wholesale distribution? Like, what if we couldn't get all those people that you see on TV that are going to liquor stores and rating the shelves? What if our beer weren't on those shelves to be rated? Where would we make money? So how are you making money? Uh, we, so we have an amazing team. Uh, yeah. And we, we pivoted really fast, really hard. And we went hard onto crawlers at first. So we started getting all of our kegs into, into crawlers, which yeah. was also interesting because then there was a worldwide shortage. I tried to buy one. Of I, crawler cans. I tried to buy a, 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 like a, um, one of those crawler filling yep. machines. Um, cause we're the same issue. We've got all this beer in, in kegs and we're yeah. like, shit, how do we get it out? And, uh, okay. So you started going crawlers. We started going crawlers yeah. while at the same time working on labels for four packs. Right. And so fortunately just before any of this happened, we, we had taken over, not taken over, but we've started brewing in the Hearthstone space as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so we, we needed additional volume. Yeah. And so that was both for draft, and then we're also starting a, a new project. Oh, cool. Um, a lager-based project. Oh, right on. Yeah. Well, yeah. Curtis Sheldon's going to try and murder you, man. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, he's only making, slow hand, that's their thing. All they do yeah. is make lagers, right? Yeah, house of lager. Real, that's great, man. Yeah. Oh man, from from a brewery that loves lagers like ours, that's amazing. Yeah, not, like in house, we're just all of the boys. We're all drinking uh, crispy boys. People don't under like. I think that's the funny thing is that like people like we make yeah we make we all make IPAs of some sort, but like none of us like all of us in the industry actually just drank lager beer. That's yeah, all we really want to drink. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's the that's the telltale sign of a good brewery too. Like whenever you walk into a place and you see they have a lager on tap, that's normally the thing I order first. I'm like, okay, let's see what these guys actually exactly. have, right? Yep. Yeah, nothing and high behind. No, yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool, man. Okay. So we had just started going down that road yeah. uh, and brewing into those tanks. And so while we were doing that, we were starting to work on labels. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, there's a little uh, cask Sam's line, yep. a canning line at Hearthstone. So we've, we've acquired that. And we've started getting four packs of cans finally just out last week, this week. Um, today, we're doing a 150 flat run. Sweet. Uh, next week, we're doing some more. So we just, as fast as we could, yeah. we went hard into packaging. Yeah. Uh, that came up with like, a lot of upfront costs. We had to do a bit more fundraising on the, on the shareholder front to yeah. get that going. Um, and it's been seven days a week, 16 hour days, yeah. just trying to get everything done. Definitely a little bit of stress on the production side, yeah. but, um, it was really the only option. And so by doing that with crowlers, with all the cork and cage bottles that we've been doing, as well as our coffee, uh, we started doing home, de- uh, home deliveries, Yeah, which cool. is fantastic. Like, and you, and the coffee roasting thing, cause you guys do roast on site. Mm-hmm. Was that something that you just decided halfway through the project? It'd be cool to do this. Or was it always from the, the plan from the get go? It was, I'd say it halfway through the, the planning and the build of the brewery. Yeah. Um, I, 
the the idea itself came it's kind of taking a page out of modern times yeah book. yeah i think they've done a fantastic job of it and they have numerous locations and they've you see they're opening up numerous cafes as well so to have a model where we could open up at 7 a.m yeah start selling coffee and then bring it into the the afternoon where we start selling beer yeah that was the idea um and joined our our team she's our head roaster and yeah. she came from east van roasters before sweet yeah coffee's phenomenal yeah um and so that's been really nice with this new model of door-to-door yeah. and also uh across canada with coffee because we can we can post it to, to quebec we can technically post it to new york if we wanted to wow um so there's the beauty in that for sure yeah and i think too like um you know, with this new home delivery concept mm-hmm. that, you know, people are buying a lot of beer now, but the, uh, the ability to have these, you know, if they don't want a whole flat, but you're like, well, you could have a flat and a couple bags of coffee. Right. And, yeah. and you're like, Oh, um, that's my weekend. That's great. I got coffee for them in the morning and I've got my, you know, my beer in the evening. This is perfect. Right. And I think, um, so good for you guys. Cause I think home delivery actually for what people want, uh, like your, your concept and your brewery and everything you're doing really lends to that. Right. I hope so. I think so yeah. as well. Uh, and the the idea of home delivery was something that we had toyed with or chatted about before all of this. Yeah. And so a silver lining to the situation is that it forced us, just like a lot of other breweries, yeah. to do it and setting up that online store. So now that we have that all set up, if this ever goes back to normal, we will at least have that system in place. Yeah. And I think um, we were. Ta- I was talking to. I had a phone call with Aaron um, from Strange Fellows a little while mm-hmm. ago, um, talking about something much more boring than beer. Um, it was like a health and benefits plan, but anyways, um, but we got on the topic of like, of, of home delivery and like, and for us at Steel and Oak, like we only deliver in New West right now. Um, and so it makes a lot of sense for us because New West is small. It's like, we will do three deliveries and not have to get back in the truck. Right. Like, yeah. and, um, so for us, based on the rate of deliveries that we're doing, um, it, it actually like, I I'm pretty confident. I haven't seen March isn't finished yet. And, uh, so, I mean, my accountant who's much smarter than I will tell me, but, um, it feels like we're making money on it. Yeah. And, and it's also, I mean, more importantly, it's, uh, somebody's job. Mm-hmm. Um, and JB, our delivery driver, he's on a, um, he's on a temporary work visa. So he's not even able to apply for any of the benefits. So it's great. Oh, it yeah, keeps him empl- employed. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so it's, it's awesome. But I think after this is said and done, we'll continue some sort of, some 100%. sort of concept. Whereas Aaron is strange fellows. I think Vancouver is such a larger spot that he's doing just as many deliveries as we are, but in a much larger location. Yeah. Right. And so I think for him, and I don't want to speak for him on, on, on air. Cause you know, uh, I don't know if he, well, anyways, whatever he, if he's telling me something in confidence, but, but, but the reality of it is, is it doesn't make sense if you're, if you're spreading yourself too thin and you're doing, yeah. there's like a threshold that you have to hit. Right. And, um, and I think it's a lot harder to hit in, in Vancouver, just based on the actual size of it and how hard it is to park and how hard it is, like all those little mm-hmm. things that go into it, um, all of a sudden turn a concept that seems great in a, in a sleepy suburb community like New West right now, that still would be hellish. Could you imagine like delivering to homes on Friday afternoon in rush hour traffic when everything goes back oh, yeah. to normal? It, that's, you know, that's a beauty of the situation with these deliveries. Yeah. There's nobody on the streets. No, no. Are you guys doing just North Van? Or are you guys? No, we're, so we're doing North Van and Vancouver. Are you guys finding Vancouver a challenge? Um, it can be when you're going out as far as say UBC or yeah. South Van. It, it depends. I mean, we're going to start adding liquor stores next week. Yeah. So then we can, if we have a driver out seven days a yeah. week, we can deliver to liquor stores too. Yeah. And I think to the other, I mean, um, 
the other thing that's going to, once this gets back to normal a little bit, and if mm-hmm. we continue to do home delivery, it'll be trying to find that pocket of time to deliver beer because yeah. right now everybody's home. So like, we're like, Oh, a delivery windows two to six yeah. and everybody's there to accept it. But when people go back to work, you're going to be like, okay, we got to deliver Friday night Yes, and um, in traffic. And so I think there's some probably things that we're not thinking of entirely, but the concept is there. People, people want it. Yeah. You know, and we're lucky to have it. Like there is, oh. I, I feel for the, I feel for the large hospitality groups, Tap and Barrel, Blueprint, yeah. Donnelly. Like yeah. that's we're fortunate where, like at the same time, a dollar is not worth a dollar when we're going and delivering it to someone's no. door, comparative to a pint across the table. Yeah. Um, however, we're, we we as well have kept on pretty much all of our staff. Yeah, good for you guys, yeah. man. Yeah, we like. I think there's this concept that. People are like, you guys must be killing it right now, right? And we're like, well, I mean, we're going to like, we're gonna be okay. Like, Steel Knuckle will be yeah. here after this is said and done unless they, things change and, you know, they, they yeah. call us non-essential or we have to close down entirely. But the, um, but the concept that we're making money hand over fist because of all the, the canned beer we're selling is not the case, no. right? And, um, you know, we're just replacing, you know, a good margin product like a glass of beer in, in the tasting room with something that's not that good at all. And... Um, and so anyways, it's, it's, it's been an interesting juggling act for sure. And I think home delivery will work for some. And I think for some, it won't based on, I think, how the neighborhood supports it, right? Like yeah. if the further you have to go out, just like wholesale distribution makes less and less sense. And it will for home delivery too, right? So I think it's huge also from a marketing standpoint because yeah. the people that we're delivering to are fucking stoked. Yeah. Like we're building, we're building that relationship with that customer directly. Yeah. And even though we're not like, we're trying to keep our distance, just like everybody else, we're being safe. They're coming out and they're saying, thank you. Yeah. We're so excited to get it. They're posting on social media. Yeah. It's like, we're building those thousand followers yeah. that are, that are hardcore followers. For sure. Some guy called me a unicorn. A unicorn. Yeah, he's like a uni- You're a unicorn. A beer delivery driver. You, you're a unicorn, awesome. man. I'm like, that's great. Nice. And so, yeah, you're. That's you know, you're right. There's there's things that we can't really quantify, but yes. it, it is. I mean, I think all of us have seen our social media engagement go way up, and more people posting about our beers and stuff like that, which is awesome. And people have been really generous and kind too. Yeah, on the tips. Oh, we had a guy yeah. come in. Well, two crazy things. We had a guy come in and buy one four pack of Red Pilsner and tip fifty dollars. Jesus. Yeah, and um, which was insane. And we thought he made a mistake. And he's like, nope. He's like, it's for you guys. That's amazing. And then yesterday, um, a guy came in, and we had the We Love You double IPA yep, on. Yeah, and uh, he's like, oh, you know, how is it? Is it any good, right? And I'm like, well, fuck, if it's not good, dude, we wouldn't put it on the shelf, I love right? that question. Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> <That> shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so um, Brian, uh, who is our operations manager, and that's just a fancy term, he does everything here. And so Brian uh, is basically... Like I'm, I'm over here listening to Brian, like talking about the beer because yeah. we've moved our offices down in the tasting room. You can't see. So, uh, listening out there, you can't see what we're doing, but we're actually in the tasting room. And before we used to do this in the tasting room, but then people would come in and buy beer from us. But now the tasting room is actually our office so that we can run the tasting room and work at the same yeah. time. Um, but anyway, so I'm listening over here, working away and I'm like, oh man, this guy is like, it's a hard sell to sell this guy one four pack of double IPA. And then he's like, okay, it sounds good. He's like. I'll take three flats, three flats of shiny things, and a flat of uh, mixed flat. I'm like, wow. and some, this dude just bought seven flats. That's it was amazing. like a six hundred and something dollar order, wow. right? And just like, I'm like, was this guy just messing with us? He's like, I'm going to buy seven flats from these guys, but I'm going to make them work for yeah. it, right? And uh, but it's crazy, man. It's it's crazy times right now. Like, it is I, crazy times. And um, how, how much staff do you have? Just so we have, yeah. And I mean, we I believe between front of house and back of house, we have roughly about eleven. Okay, yeah. yeah. 
That's an, yeah, that's a good number. Yeah. 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 We've, I mean, I think, and we have made layoffs. I was pretty aggressive at the beginning, but we're also a little wholesale dependent. Yes. And so, um, I mean, we were going into this, I think we were 55%, no, 45% draft uh, for okay. wholesale, which is high. And we had a lot of draft as well. Just yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. So, um, for us. But now that things are settling in, we're able to start bringing people back to work a little bit, cool. right? Which has been nice. And uh, it's just been difficult with the CRB benefit that like, because you, be careful of that. you have to be careful, right? Yeah. And so some people don't want to come back to work because they're paranoid that they're going to go over that threshold and not get their $2,000 anymore, right? Yeah. So, um, which is weird. Um, okay, we're going to take a beer break and I'm going to save this and then come back in awkwardly because I won't edit it properly. Sounds so good. if you're listening, just pretend that I do it, did it properly, okay? I'm just hitting record because we're talking about some cool shit. And then Brian, who, like I said, is just a, we call him the operations manager, but that's just a fancy name for the guy that actually runs the brewery. And <laughs> um, he's got three computer screens. That's how important he is. But because we're all working four, he's, he's got, got four. four. One just monitors the security camera. And, is that true? Yeah. Nice. And, uh, Let's see. Yeah, it's it's like a, it's an iPad, and the the crazy thing is, I definitely didn't pay for that. At least I don't think I paid for that iPad, did I, Brian? That's your own personal one. Cool. I have a bigger screen. Yeah. And he has a jump rope and works out here. And you guys can't see him right now, but he also has a thing that helps with his posture. He's just an absolute machine, and he does everything here. And I wanted to get him on mic, but he told me that he asked today because he's like, I got to come into work, and you guys are recording the taste room. Of course, we're working in the taste room now. And I'm like, yeah, well, you can talk, right? He's like, no, I'm not talking. And, um, but yeah, so we were talking about like the silver lining of this is that it's allowed us some freedom and room to breathe to kind of rethink how we're going to do business. And mm-hmm. that it's been like, yeah, it's the first time in a while where I've been super inspired and, and, yeah. and at least have had time to think about what the next steps are for Steel and Oak. And like, but on more on a bigger sense than, uh, than, than actual day to day, I was getting so hung up in day to day operations of trying to make wholesale sales work, trying to figure out what these two delivery trucks are going to do, try to make sure that, you know, we're increasing by this amount. And it was starting to get like, it wasn't the, it was starting to become the company that I didn't want it to become. You get away from the point. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy to do that. Right. And I'm like, and there was no opportunity. We were so deep. I'm like, well, we're just going to have to keep chipping away rather than making a hard stop. And now we've been able to get a hard stop, right? We're like, oh, we've been given this hard stop now. So now's the time. Right. And so um, I know steel and oak will look significantly different in the coming year. Um, you know, no matter how long COVID goes on for, even if it stopped tomorrow and everybody was like, we're fine. Um, we're still going to do things differently now. This is yeah, yeah. What do you think you're going to do differently? Cause yeah. you guys already seem like you had a pretty good like system set up. For sure. We, we do. I mean, the thing is, I think we're going to have to behave differently because I think that people coming into the tasting room, it'll look different. People are going to socialize differently. Yeah. Uh, holding on to the systems that we've currently created will be one of the biggest changes and that's the the door-to-door deliveries and then also increasing our our distribution to liquor stores while maintaining a the the price point that we're looking for to make sure that we're actually making that buck that we're after yeah um will be important but so we'll as we increase that channel we'll we'll maintain that channel going forward yeah and you guys i mean you're going to be starting up at a, a a time where liquor store shelves are pretty busy yeah. But you guys also have done some great work on creating a really good name for yourselves that, you know, Thank somebody's going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll kick so-and-so off this shelf and, and put you on here. And I think f- as long as you're, I mean, and you've been in the industry long enough that you know 
you're specific which, with, with which liquor stores you're going into because sometimes you're going to get an overzealous you know liquor store manager that loves yes. House of Funk yes. you know and orders seven flats but the customers that go there only shop in the the singles bargain bin right and um, and so I think like at least you've been in the industry long enough that you know. Well, I know that Brewery Creek is going to be able to sell this for what it needs to be sold for because the people that go to Brewery Creek just want good beer and they don't care about what it costs, right? Within yeah. reason. Yeah, you got you to set yourself up for success when you're yeah. when you're selling to these liquor stores. Yeah, um, and definitely. So pre all of this, we were selling cork and cage bottles to a lot of stores. We have Ara, which I brought a bottle of. Um, that's an eighteen dollar bottle wholesale. That's a fucking expensive bottle. And you brought one for me? Yeah. Thanks, man. Because yeah, we can't sell it right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now, like that, we we were able to sell it, and there's it's a great margin. But you have to be selective who you're selling that yeah. to, because you're right. If it's if it's not on Brewery Creek shelves and it's on wherever else, somewhere that isn't craft forward, it will sit there for a long time. Fortunately, the shelf life on that beer is great. Yeah. Yeah. It could go for years and it would only get better. Yeah. We struggled with that coming into this about um, with 500 mil format, bottle condition um, 500 mils. So we made the conscious decision yeah. to go into 500s because we liked the format size. We could still do the, the bottle conditioning in it. And, but we thought, okay, well, with the 500 mil, it's single, like single serve. So like one person mm-hmm. can enjoy it, which is great. Um, it allows the price point to look low enough that somebody can afford to buy it. But even still, it's a weird format that no one understands. I like 500, though. I love 500 mils, too. But, yeah. like, it seems like customers don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they do. I guess they, they do to a point, I think. And that was what we were trying to figure out. And I had Cody and Clay from Twin Sales on last mm-hmm. season. And I think we got into it a bit about, like, what is the volume to brew to sell your 500 mils out in how far and how long you want it to take to sell, right? Yeah. And for us at Steel and Oak... We're like the magic number for us is around, I guess, 500 liters, I think is like, okay. yeah, is what we want, like for barrel age, you know, to go in. So, so each brand you're doing, you're doing yeah. five hacks. Yeah, basically. Okay. Right. And before we were doing more than that, like Brian, I'm going to haul over at Brian. Uh, how many, how many hectoliters of uh, Quinella did we do? Do you know off the top of your head? Because Quinella was the last big run of 500 mils that we've done. About, about 10, 10, 12 hack. 10 Brian, to 12 hack. It's like we're on the sour hour and Brian's that chick that they always refer to. Yeah. Hey, just <laughs> notice that Darren said chick, not Jordan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll edit it out. Don't worry, man. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the, um, yeah, exactly. He is. He's just, he's the, he's the ops manager. He's over yep. there working the board yeah. and he's fact he's checking everything work. for us. And, um, so like 12 hack is, is hard to, to move through. Yeah. Um, I, but then I remember the days where we moved through 30 hectoliters of barrel aged barley wine in 650 mil bottles, like, in weeks. Wow. And yeah, but that was like in 2015. Yeah, I does think. anyone drink barley wines anymore? I don't know. Do they? <laughs> they do. We had a barley wine that we made with, um, they do just slowly. Okay. We had a barley yeah. wine that we made with Dave at Powell. Okay. And we released that beer, I think in January. I'm nervous now because Brian's sitting there and he can fact check me. Normally I just spit out bullshit and no one knows the difference, <laughs> but he, he does. Uh, we made it in January and, um, and we just sold the last bottle a couple days ago. And so it took, it takes a while, right? But like you said, your taste good after time. It so, does. You know, at least when you're doing that, um, you're not as stressed about it. Agreed. It's, yeah. uh, you know, and it's, um, so, I mean, I think you guys have, I don't want to say it's like a foolproof plan, but at least you guys have been able to cement yourselves in that avenue of doing specialty product. So people expect it to cost what it costs. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also having that cool vibe when people are eventually allowed to come back to the, to the room. So, Agreed. yeah. Did you, um, did you decide on kind of, 
like who decided on the kind of the cool aesthetic that's in that room? Did you have an architect and designer a, do that? It was or? a group effort. So it was uh, myself, my brother, and my wife. Then in conjunction with our with our GC, and then we had a interior designer uh, Cutler. Okay. And they did a fantastic job. And so they, they connected us also with a graffiti artist out of Montreal, Dodo. Yeah. Uh, and so if you've been in our tasting room, there's a big uh, art piece just yeah. behind our, our leather couch. And it's beautiful. Cool. Um, and definitely leaned into that. So they were, it was ourselves working with them that, uh, and we took a lot of inspiration from like Aslan Depot, which if you've been yeah, down there, I have, Birmingham, yeah. it's beautiful. It's great. Yeah. It's killer. Um, so we, we took some inspiration from that as well as some other uh spots that we'd seen that we liked a lot and then we wanted to give a tip of the hat to funk music as well yeah cool man if um going through this this covid process Mm -hmm. and um what are you kind of most looking forward to after this like what do you miss the most giving people hugs (laughs) yeah okay yeah Yeah. I'm i'm a hugger but then also just the the getting away from the feeling every we all get our backs up understandably when someone's coming in through the front door just to deliver something or ask if they can buy beer and it's it's really unfortunate and um not not so much on the on the brewery side but on the personal side our daughter who's three she's every single day so we in north van and i'm sure uh, new west does the same we all clap at seven o'clock everyone's outside making noise she runs out at 6 15 and she starts clapping she's like why no clap yeah um i'm looking forward to her being able to go back to daycare Mm -hmm. and her being able to interact with her friends because if this goes on for a year a year out of a three-year-old's life is is far more significant than ours and so her only social interaction who she's reading facial expressions off of or dealing with is either the television or us yeah uh and so i'm looking forward to getting that back to normal for her and also for my wife too who's at home with them but uh from a work standpoint i'm looking forward to being able to sit down with a customer having a pint or friends having a pint yeah we've we've chosen our our social circle and we just hang out within those who we work with because we're interaction interacting with them regardless yeah Um, but looking forward to getting back to that yeah i i think that's kind of similar for me too like i know so our oldest son jude is going to be five in august and so he understands what's happened like he understands there's a germ and 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 we do the seven o'clock uh yeah thing as well yeah and um and there's people with air horns and stuff Mm -hmm. and it's it's great and uh but it's also kind of like like oh my goodness this is the new reality now we all get outside at seven and this is the big event that we do right and yeah. and last night my wife is moving um offices um and so i was i borrowed the steel and oak delivery van last night to go move some shelves when the office was closed for her and um and it's just like it's so eerily quiet that i'm just looking forward to people being back out again like it yeah. almost feels uncomfortable out there it does yeah and we're in the so we're in this van my wife and i driving and we've realized that this is the first time since this whole thing started that her and i are just together without the kids oh wow so we like the kids went to bed and then we called my sister-in-law who has been um she's been self-isolating she actually works from home so she hasn't seen a soul which has been nice and we're like just come in sit on the couch like you probably won't have to touch any of the kids or deal with that but just if one of them wakes up we want to make sure there's somebody here that can deal with it yeah. right and uh that we know hasn't had any interaction with other people and um so it was like the first time where it was just the two of us in this in this van we're like this is so weird it's been like six weeks yeah. since we've just it's you know outside of when we put the kids to bed and we're you know but she's working at night now because we're trying to like get our schedule correct like i will she works in the morning i'll come into the, to the brewery at noon 
I'll work here, then I'll go home, relieve her from the kids. She just works from home on her, um, her office has allowed them to all work from home, which has been great, yeah. which is why the move is weird because no one's there. Um, but it's actually probably good for moving now that I think about it. But anyways, um, but really just passing each other, right? We live under the same roof and we're just passing each other. And I'm, I think I'm looking forward to having some interaction even at home that's not trying to plan schedules yeah. based on how the kids are being dealt with. And like our son Jude is just like he asks where his friend like where his friends are still, and he's like, "Oh, I'm looking forward to going back to daycare." And that's the kind of stuff that's that's hard, right? Yeah. You're like, "Oh man, I don't want this kid also to become like this spoiled kid too, right?" Like because we're trying to make it work, and we're like, "Well, we'll just throw TV on at this moment yeah, in time." I get right? it. And uh, we're always so you know we're always proud that we weren't like a TV family. We never have been. Yeah. We're definitely one now. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Right. And. Uh, but I think it's okay. I mean, it's okay, right? Like, I think people are just trying to do their best to what they can and, 100%. and you know, and uh, get through it. Do you, uh, how long do you think this thing's going to take before you think that, how, before you feel that House of Funk is back to a spot where you're going to be confident and comfortable um, with the new reality? How long do you think that is going to take before it gets to normal, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a healthy mindset right now to not really, to not necessarily think of that. Yeah. Just to kind of, to work within the, the confines that we have right now and just keep operating as such. But I, I think that it's going to be a lot longer than we're all expecting. I, I kind of even hope that we keep things closed longer than, than some people might, than some people might want just because as much as it is, it is shitty and we're, we're lucky where we're operating and a lot of people aren't, but it'd be really unfortunate for us to open up schools, open up uh, pubs and, and restaurants and whatnot and have it so that everything kicks off all over again. Yeah. And we got to jump right back into this. Like, let's just get this fixed and then move forward. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that we're, we're looking at a year before this is all normal. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And, um, I was reading an article, um, on CBC online yesterday, I think. And it was about, um, about restaurants maybe slowly reopening. Right. Yeah. And of course it's tough because we're obviously so closely knit with the hospitality and restaurant community mm-hmm. that we're like, you know, all these people that we know are all out of work and some of them are going out of business and we're like, wow, we need these people to get back in action. But at the same point in time, you're right. If we do it too fast, we're just going to be closed again. Yeah. And I think it was Mark Brand had had a quote that the CBC quoted him that we was like, even if they allow us to, to open back up in some sort of small fashion, it's like, we won't do it. He's like, it's all or nothing because the cost to um, get things open and then just have them close again is like, that would, that would be the, the stake would like, that would be the, basically the straw that broke the camel's back for it's most true. restaurants, right? Is that if they were forced to close a second time after investing all this money to open again, that that would be the end of it. So it's almost, I mean, and it's hard to say that because both you and I have businesses that are still running right now where yeah. many people aren't. Um, but yeah, it's almost like we're probably only going to get, well, hopefully, we're only going to get one pandemic in a lifetime, at least based on history. JB, our delivery driver, just looked at me and then rolled his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Way in, JB. Do you think there's more pandemics on the way? What's that? But not like I know that's how history works. You guys need to give me a history lesson. This is the last time I'm including the, the group in this discussion, <laughs> by the way. Um, it, it is crazy, though, to think how, say, in 40 years from now, we will look back on this. And we were actually part of, like, whether like it was the Great Depression back in the day yeah. or, or whatnot. Like, this will be in history books. For sure, right? And so that's more how I'm 
trying to phrase it is that this is likely and you know don't get me wrong maybe those you know maybe there is something else maybe we see these more often i have no idea but like when you look at when you do look at history like through our parents and grandparents they've only normally go through like one or two of these big catastrophic events and um and so like if we get one or two shots at this we better do it right yep and if that means just toughening it out for a little while longer then that's definitely what we should be doing i think most people seem to be on board with that right agreed you know, but it's also easy to say that when I'm not worried about my business going under right at this point in time too, right? Yep. So what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge coming out of this for you? Um, Convincing people to come back and say, yeah. I mean, like, cause our, our original model and it, in my opinion, it still is the, the model that is the most profitable is selling pints over the counter. It's, it's not only most profitable, it's also great in terms of the interaction with your customers. You have a captive audience where you can chat to them, you can uh, explain to them what they're drinking, and and you can create an environment where they're, it's tailored for them and to keep them coming back. So convincing yeah. people to come in and and socialize and sit, that's my biggest worry is yeah. that, uh, that that won't come back immediately if it comes back at all. So we're going to have to to kind of come up with a few different ideas to be able to have more revenue streams. Yeah, for sure. Do you, because um, there's now a few, how many breweries in North Van are there now? Uh, I mean, just on, in like our... Like in your little neck of the woods. In our little neck of the woods, there are, it's ourselves, Beer, Streetcar, North Point, Greenleaf. So we have five currently open. There's two in planning slash uh, being built in the distillery as well. Oh, wow. So like the area is sick. It's great. Like you can walk once everything's built and we're all good. um, Yeah. You can just hop from, take the C bus over. Yeah. Go to Greenleaf, go to Tap and Barrel, and then yeah. just uh, go up to the Gull and just walk around. So it's the, and that's the really the unfortunate thing is we're going to miss the summer realistically. Yeah. But being able to walk from all these different areas, we need a bit more food in the area would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not allowed to have food trucks in front of our businesses in uh, North Van, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. We're like we've we've built a, a bit of a kitchen and we plan on having that fully operational for when yeah. we are back normal again. But. Yeah, I know that was in US. We didn't have we had the same kind of. Oh, really? Yeah, and it changed. It changed yeah. when we opened up. Actually, we have one of their seven licensed spots for food trucks in US Minster, and one's out front of our brewery. Cool, which is pretty neat. Now we only have fifty occupancy, so getting a food truck here is next to impossible. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I think you know one of the things that we're going to try and see after this is try and get our own food program going, um, which we've been talking about for years, and it's just this is a nice thing that's going to force us to probably do it. Good. Um. How are the other North Van breweries doing these days? They're, they're doing okay. I yeah. mean, like all of us are operating under a similar model. Because yeah. um, those North Point guys just opened too, right? They did. Yeah, yeah, they opened up. I think. I mean, they opened up in December. Okay. So they, they had a few months. Yeah. But uh, definitely. Yeah, like, they had January and February to enjoy. Correct, yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. Which I mean, at least they saw the I guess the boost in sales yeah, where they, they normally wouldn't. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, all of us. I mean, we're all quite tight knit too. Mm-hmm. We have a, a little group formed uh, similar to Yeast Van and uh, Brewers Row. But uh, we've all been we've been sharing actually our our crowler line uh, oh, between ourselves well, and great. Uh, the other breweries. Yeah. Yeah, those North Point people are real attractive too. I noticed on they Instagram. are. Yeah, they're. yeah. How do all these good-looking people get together and start a yeah, brewery? Yeah, it's, it's all attractive blonde moms. If you go in there, it's uh, that's the demographic. Really? Yeah, it's terrible. Jeez, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna rival Superflux for being the most attractive uh, brewery owners out there. Yeah, it'd be tough. But yeah, yeah. Well, Matt and Matt and Adam are getting old too, so I mean they're gonna yeah. they're definitely gonna start to degrade, and they're also in the thick of it right now. So even they look tired. Um, when, when, <laughs> hope they're listening. Yeah. I, they definitely are. Right, Henderson has nothing to do these days, so he's just sitting at home listening to this right now. Awesome. It's not even on air, and he's probably listening to it. So, um, 
when you when when you were planning and and uh, when you're planning House of Funk, you're getting it up and going. Were there any kind of local breweries that you were looking at, and you're like, yeah, that like, I I want to pull that from those guys. I want to pull that from those guys. I want to you know not mimic or copy, but like you know there were a few people that you're like, I like what those guys are doing, and I think I can pull some things from that. I mean, we we were speaking about it a little bit before. Brassneck has been the the epitome of of that model, yeah. Um, in terms of having people come in and purchase beer over the counter. And I think they're doing an amazing job of it. Uh, the The way the House of Funk is set up, if people haven't been there, is we have, so we have a little five hectoliter brew house and then we have 12 five hectoliter tanks, four 10 hectoliter tanks and then some brights. And so that was fairly unique. Yeah. Uh, and we, actually, in terms of stacking them, uh, brew hall obviously yeah. has, has their tank stacked. And that was, so we saw that and we're like, okay, hey, cool, we can use the vertical space. Um, that was fairly, I think, fairly unique, and we just wanted to get everything into a tiny space that we had to yeah. work with. I didn't realize it was only five hectoliters. Only five hectoliters. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it is. Because especially when you are when you have 16 fermenters, yeah. and so uh, Sean, our head brewer, and I have been chatting about this over the past week, is just that we're, the exact same amount of labor goes into running those tiny little tanks as if yeah. we had them 10 times the size. Like, it's yeah. the exact same amount of fucking labor. So we're our labor dollar per liter is, is not the best. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, when we're doing five hectoliters or something, if we have to dump that, who cares? Yeah. Like we can, we can be very experimental yes. and we can take, we can take risks. And so that has been to our benefit where, uh, during the summer, if you came in, we had two to three new beers out every week. And yeah. it was always, we had different funk juices coming out. We had different volumes of every single one of our uh, quote unquote cores. And the only way we could do that is by having tiny little tanks. And we it's fun to brew on. For sure. And then you're, and you're, like your sell through is so much quicker. You can, you mm-hmm. can market up where you need to, to make money off of it. Cause you know, you're going to probably sell it anyways. And Fills like, two barrels perfectly. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's the perfect amount for a 500 mil, right? Like, you know, or for 500 mil bottles of seven fifties that you guys do. Are those seven fifties or 600? Uh, we have, we have 500 and seven fifties, seven fifties. Yeah. And we have tiny little three seventy fives as well for, uh, for deliverance, which is kind of a, uh, nod right. of the hat to Orval. Cool, man. And, um, yeah, and the stack tanks were doing that at the Herald Street. Yeah, in I saw Victoria. it's beautiful. Yeah, which is yeah, it, it looks awesome. Uh, tough to get level. Uh, tough to get level. Yeah, yeah. and uh, but it's uh, yeah, it looks sick. There's something about like when you walk into Brew Hall, right? And you're yeah. like, wow, look at this, right? And they're talking uh, about putting I think t- another set of tanks on top. Really? Yeah, three three high. Three high. Wow, that's yeah, cool, imagine man. running a, a caustic cycle on the third. Yeah, uh, no pie. kidding. Wow, <laughs> don't walk underneath. That's wild. Yeah. Good for those guys. Yeah, I mean, they're got a oh, the size of that location and where it's located. Killer. Yeah, yeah, it's so. I mean, right now though, they're probably just like, like I can't imagine. You know, I, it's good that they've got you know tap and barrel and everything kind of behind them as well. And obviously, yeah. you know, I mean, if you've been to Brew Hall, you're like, there's got to be some money behind this place for sure. Because I mean, that the rent on that space alone is I can't imagine. insane, I mean, right? And they were, I know they they've been they were doing well back uh, when everything was was normal, and I'm happy that they went like Steel Toad. Uh, they were all right, but like uh, them going into that space. Hey, nice, quick, <laughs> nice catch, man. <laughs> no one cares. It's fine. They, I'm happy Brew Hall went into that space. Me too. And they, they turned it around and they made it so it's uh, it's a fucking amazing model. It's really good, man. Yeah. I and and you know, it's a lot of times we talk about like I know at least in the wholesale world we talk about big ch- like chains, right? Yeah. And so often chains are difficult to deal with, which makes sense because they've got everybody knocking like Cactus Club is everybody knocking at their door trying to get product in, and yep. and so. It's hard to get a meeting with, you know, who you need to get a meeting with and and um and they're a big business, right? And so they 
uh, they have to operate like one. Whereas I've always found like Tavern Barrel's always been awesome to deal they have with. Been. They never ask for a thing. They're always happy to see you. They don't. And they're and so which is which is rad. Like I, you know, I have all the respect in the world for those guys, yep. and I'm I'm uh, and and I was so happy to see them take over that space because it's such a beautiful building. And like I'd been there when it was, which was steel toed, and you were very kind to, uh, to, to say, you know, it's it's the beer was beer, and it was confused. It was right. Yeah. You could tell it was run by somebody that never run a hospitality company before, right? And where the tap and barrel people know exactly what they're doing, yep. and and it, they made it a space that was full, right? And um, I don't think I ever went into steel toed where it was. F- <laughs> <laughs> I have, yeah, yeah. I went yeah. to Still and Toad. Yeah, I went there once. And yeah. it was, I think I had there was uh, they had some uh, to the Diablo on. Oh yeah, yeah. So I had some of that. You so had I, that I had, over the frosted Heineken tap that they I, had. I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Surprisingly, yeah. So I know it's it's uh, it's it's cool to see like that like because a space that big you think shouldn't work based yeah. on how Vancouver operates now too, right? Whereas. Um, but yeah, they pull in college kids. They pull in everything, right? Yeah, yeah it's wild. Um, what do you think you're most excited about uh, uh, over the next year, even with everything going on? Like, what's what what is something that you're? I mean, we always talk about all the things that kind of often the conversation gets a little depressing because of you know the everything with COVID. But like, what's something that you're fired up about? So we're working on a side brand called House of Lager. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty stoked on that. So we. Before everything, we were planning on going heavy into draft for it. Yeah. Uh, and so the intent with with House of Logger is that we're going to start to, because within House of Funk's uh, confines of our ethics on that, it has to be barrel-aged or funky stuff going on. So we couldn't be doing the the loggers that we really love. Yeah. And so we wanted to start a side brand. Because I also think that there's a, uh, that's going to be a, a trend that we're seeing. I hope heavily. so. I hope so too. Because that's what Man. I want to drink. I know. We've been making loggers for six years and I hope the yeah. trend finally. Like, I think it is. Yeah. Like, you I see know. like the, the boys at Four Winds are killing it on those loggers yeah. and that's all they're drinking too. Yeah. Um, but so that side brand house, brand house of lager, we're still about a month and a half out. Yeah. We're working on 15 packs of that and we're working on. Sweet. Uh, it's going to be a flagship German style lager beer yeah. that we're going to allow to lager for two months. Sweet. Uh, we're krausing it, natural from a uh, natural uh, carbonation on it. Yeah. It's going to be, it's tasting good already and it's, yeah. it's nowhere near done. Cool. And so we're going to bang that out into 15 packs. That That's awesome. we're excited about. I'm also really excited about the coffee program that we have going yeah. on. Uh, we started canning our nitro cold brew and that's tasting really great. And I see a lot of potential with it too, because yeah. we can't send beer out to anywhere else in the prov- in the country as opposed, or even outside of Canada. Yeah. Whereas coffee, we can, we can sell it to a kid if we want to. Yeah. Um, there's no, you should, <laughs> that should, kid will yeah. be hyped up, man. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's tasting fantastic. And I think there's a real opportunity there for cold brew, yeah. especially in this third wave, uh, coffee nerd scene. Yeah. There's not a lot of those companies doing canned cold brew. Yeah, um, and we're we're fortunate where we're brewing. We have access to those to those tanks, and also to vessel packaging that has a yeah. liquid nitrogen doser. So that's cool, man. The um, the lo- the lager stuff. I mean, it's cool that you guys are going to do natural natural carbonation as well. Like yeah. that was our original brewer Pete. That was his obsession, right? We're like, we're getting spunning devices on this. Throw that carb stone out. We don't need it, right? And and um, and I know like yeah, like we talked about earlier, there's just such this affinity with, with brewers and loggers that it's cool to see other people get into, um, 
get into the program, right? And, yeah. and, and hopefully make it a thing. You think you had inventory issues before, though, making eight-week loggers, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. we talk about, like, going through this process where obviously we have no draft sales anymore. So we're like, well, we have all these kegs. Like, what are we going to do with them? And I'm like, how did I have so many kegs to begin with? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's because we're waiting, you know, we're, we're doing six-week cycles on, on our, you know, on our, our Pilsner. And it's taking... So it's six weeks worth of inventory that I'm just sitting on, right? Yeah. And and it's no wonder that, you know, it makes sense for, for guys to bound out IPAs in, in three weeks or whatever because you just don't have to buy as much stuff, right? Yeah, and we're used to eight, eight months, though, on barrels. Yeah, so I know. So, like, yeah, you and Dagger <laughs> we'll, we'll are, are the only two people that are like, yay, loggers, yeah. it's going to be more exciting, right, and, and quicker, right? Whereas uh, I know for us, like, we've got three core loggers we keep around all year, and it's a real pain in the ass. It's great for yeast management, but it's it's mm-hmm. like trying to, I know Brian's life, trying to plan how much we're going to sell so he knows how much to to get the guys to brew in six weeks is is challenging, right? And um, so, yeah, it's uh, that's cool, man. I'm glad your guys are venturing into that. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. too. I'm excited to have a 15-pack in the fridge. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, 15-pack, yeah. that's a great, that's a cool size. Yeah, it's something that we don't really see a lot of no. uh, craft breweries doing, so yeah. we, we think that there's an opportunity there. And also in this environment where people will likely start to be a little bit more conservative with their dollars, like our beer's expensive. Yeah. Um, our four-packs and our, our bottles are expensive, and that's I'm happy that they are, because they should be. Um, but we'll have it so that our 15-packs are far more approachable. Sweet. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, we are up against it. So before we go, um, do you have any advice for anybody that's out there right now that might be thinking of opening a brewery or is halfway through planning or had one concept and now is thinking about doing something different or not doing it all? Like if you could give advice to Darren from before you started a brewery, Ooh. what would it be? Uh, it would be... It's funny actually because last night I was talking to George, who's previously at Hearthstone. He's yeah. he's considering opening a brewery, so we were chatting about that uh, on Bowen. But I would advocate. So if, if I were to talk to Darren about House of Funk, I would say open up a little bit smaller in terms of uh, less barrels and uh, build up to to where you're going to go to. But if someone were opening a brewery tomorrow, I still would advocate for the the taproom model because i think that we will eventually go back to that um of course as we always say don't get into into beer if you're looking to make a million dollars you're not going to this is a passion project uh, and everybody needs to realize that that's this is not so many people that are not a part of the industry see so many breweries opening up they're like oh they must be killing it they're selling all this stuff and you know what we, you can do well at it, but we're not looking to this. If you want to make a million dollars, go open a liquor store. Yeah. It'll cost you a lot less to get started. Too. Okay. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to do. Yeah. Um, but do not open a brewery unless you have a vision as to what you're doing, why you're doing it, uh, and bring something new to the market and don't produce shitty beer. Yeah. You need to come into this. Like we have a great scene in BC. Uh, make sure that your head brewer is, is dialed and that you have your, your accounting as well dialed. So make sure that you got good, a good bookkeeper, yeah. uh, and a good head brewer. Accounting is a big one that, uh, you know, it's huge. Yeah. We definitely fucked that up, but that's another podcast. episode. <laughs> but we're good now. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Darren Hallett, uh, from house of funk brewing for being on beer life. Thank my, you. My name is Jordan Foss and we will see you soon for season two, episode three, which is actually episode 19 for those of you keeping track at home. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers.